passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rewind the dynamite from the most recent sight. AEW, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the bug stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. Welcome to Rewind a Dynamite with John Pollock and Wei Ting here with you on Wednesday, September the 13th of 2023. How are you, Wei? I'm doing well, John. How are you? I'm doing I'm doing great. Good. You know I why? I hear that. Why is that? Because for the final three minutes of Dynamite, I kind of just sat back and got to exhale. It was not a frantic race to the end of Dynamite. It was as though that's the show. This is all that's coming up in a next week on the show. We're just going to go through the matches. They just seem like we're just going to quietly go to the end. And I was fine with this. Mm. It wasn't sort of like a race towards the finish. More no, like a it casual was the complete opposite. It seemed cool like down a, period. Yeah, it was like we weren't expecting Roddy to be out of that stretcher or out on the stretcher so quickly, and got like two minutes to kill at the end. I was like, fine, totally mm. fine with this. No complaints. A bit different from previous weeks. You know, we talk so much about the overrun, not enough about the underrun. Mm, the underrun, yes. Mm. Can we be so grateful as to when we get the occasional underrun? <laughs> Folks, we've kept you long enough tonight. We're letting everyone out of school early tonight. Two hour and 35 minute raw. Um, Probably not that great for the quarter hours, but, um, yes. you know. There is uh, security at the doors, and they are refusing to end the show before the three-hour mark. Mm. Uh, But welcome to the show. We have lots to discuss. It's a new era of professional wrestling and combat sports. MMA and pro wrestling are all going to be one and the same now. It's one universal sport, and all the fans are going to get together. It is combat sports version of the Brady Bunch all together. And Mm -hmm. what a beautiful marriage this is going to be with valuations, media rights deals, um, Saudi Arabia deals. Beautiful. Brings a tear to the eye of the investor out there. Oh, you know what? Um, Let's celebrate. I'll bring out my affliction. You bring out your tap out. It'll be great. Could be a big comeback. Maybe maybe Vince McMahon's stylist will put him in some affliction gear. Mm. That stylist is, uh, man... Batting a thousand this week, aren't they? I wonder who it is. I wonder if it's somebody he pays for, or if it's just the decision he made himself. Yes, that render is making quite the it's getting quite the mileage online today of his uh, online uh, photo on the TKO site. I haven't seen it yet. Well, you can you can do some research at, at some oh. point. But uh, we have we have plenty to get into. 
Coming up later this week, we're going to be, what are we doing this week? On Friday night, Wayne and I will be live with Rewind to SmackDown, but it's a special edition of Rewind to SmackDown because we are going, Way has, Way has found the, uh, the the photo in question. Uh, we Goodness. are going to be discussing. This is horrifying. <laughs> Vince, smile. Okay. <laughs> like he's got one eyebrow yeah. up. Yeah, this is this is the look he had when he was just told your your dividend payout will be one hundred and eleven million dollars. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. That's um. He's. What do you he, think about the green? Um. Yeah, I don't love it. It's um. It looks a little cheap, but um. Like I feel like this is the most expensive energy drink. Possibly, yeah. But I mean, how often will we even see this logo? You know, how often? Well, do you, I'm do you going to be getting it every day in my email based on the first two days of this company, and their oh. their mailing list is just uh, immense of what they've been sending out. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I can't tell you what the Titan Sports logo looks like. You know, I imagine this maybe to be as sort of rarely seen. Well, um, so rewind to SmackDown Friday night, ten Eastern. We're going to be going through SmackDown and. For one night only, we are chatting Impact 1000, as it will be the first of two Impact 1000s. I mean, a yeah. true tribute to TNA of even making their monumental show not make sense. So it will be two weeks of Impact 1000. That will be Impact 1000 Part 1 and 2. Sure, yeah. So in canon, do they start the count in two weeks' time with Impact 1001, or is next week Impact 1001? Which is it? Um... I, I'm thinking next week is 1001. Yeah. Okay. So we're not going to be reviewing Impact 1001 next week, but this week, mm-hmm. Impact 1000. So look mm-hmm. out for that Friday night. And then Collision Course Saturday night with Bruce Lord uh, stepping in for John Ceno, uh, joined by Kate from Montreal, as always. Sunday, the NWA podcast is coming your way. And if you're a big fan of Bruce Lord, you get him twice this week because on Friday, we're going to be dropping the new Long and Winding Royal Road with WH. And Bruce chatting, Kenta Kobashi, Dr. Death, Steve Williams from September of 1994. Where were you in September of 1994? Um, I probably going to school. Um, Telling your friends about Dr. Death? Uh, exactly that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they will be uh, going back uh, some 29 years to uh, September mm-hmm. 94. So look out for that on Friday. All of that, postwrestling.com and postwrestlingcafe.com, where you can uh, jump on board and catch Rewind to SmackDown and Collision Course this week. And uh, next week, we'll be diving into the last of McGinnis documentary, the first documentary on Nigel McGinnis, uh, right when he was uh, winding down his in-ring career, which everyone was speculating this summer, would he be coming out of retirement? But uh, we, we will go back to... Uh, the Last of McGinnis, a very good independently produced documentary. So looking forward to uh, chatting about that with Mr. Ting next week on the cafe. News to get to. Wanted to do an update from Monday because we were talking about the Matt Riddle situation. And it seems like Matt Riddle has not publicly commented on the s- situation at JFK International Airport, by, but indirectly seems to have conveyed his side of the story through uh, Anthony de Blasi at the, uh, the Don Tony show. So uh, both of us uh, li- listen to this. And again, this is, this is Riddle's side of things was that um, he was not on raw, but it was not because of the incident at the airport, but rather uh, dealing with an inner ear infection that he had been dealing with and got worse uh, over the trip to India, as well as about a bronchitis. And that is why he missed Monday. And it's to be determined when he will be back from this illness. 
on top of that, it sounded like he had been delayed in the airport for multiple hours coming back from India and had been battling jet lag along with this ear infection and dealt with a airport security guard who was the, the way it was described was that was making some kind of he was not outright stating homophobic remarks, but somewhat suggested that based on uh, Matt Riddle having long hair and painted fingernails. And you can draw your conclusions of what might have been uttered uh, to, to Riddle and such. But that is essentially it, that there um, he may have had like a drink at the airport while he was waiting, but he was searched. There were no drugs on him. And uh, that's that's essentially it, that it was um, and it didn't really get into the post on Instagram, which was later uh, deleted by Matt Riddle. And uh, just for transparency's sake, like I have reached out to Matt Riddle. I've also reached out to WWE and uh, neither have opted to uh, respond and and share comments. So that's that's where we stand on that. And if more comes out, we will uh, follow it up on. But it does seem like he was dealing with the, this illness on on Monday and. And what the next step will be in this in this procedure that is going on that WWE is looking into and that the Port Authority Police Department was also investigating after the Instagram post was made and then deleted by Matt Riddle uh, accusing, you know, a security guard of uh, sexual assault. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Not much to say about it right now. So we, we await whatever happens. It was a big day on Tuesday with the closing of the merger between WWE and uh, UFC. Wade, did you get to uh, follow any of the coverage? Did you see any of the uh, the media appearances and just any uh, overall thoughts on just a lot of the attention that is on this and getting the um, the cavalcade of superstars at the New York Stock Exchange on on Tuesday morning? Mm-hmm. Um, from my perspective, I mean, I I don't know how much. Mm, as a, as a fan, I would have to really comment on at this point. I mean, we haven't really seen actually any sort of direct moves that would affect the content at present. Um, this just seems to be a lot of sort of, you know, groundwork for moves in the future. So I don't really have a lot to comment on myself. What are some of the maybe smaller integrations you can see? Like, do you expect that we're going to start to see maybe more cross promotion of just commercials for for? for pay-per-views and premium live events just that kind of back and forth like that could be something very simple that begins where they're promoting each other's product well sure yeah um i mean i'm curious you know to what extent that that would be um there's been a lot of discussion this week about what exactly the crossover is between professional wrestling and mma fans and um i think maybe more than ever you you know from certainly from the mma fan side of things you you might um experience a lot more sensitivity these days about you know having any sort of professional wrestling integrated into their programming so i imagine like they would be careful with it on that side but, you know, a UFC fight being advertised, especially a big one involving like a, I don't know, a Conor McGregor or something on a WWE show, I can completely see that happening. A bit more. What what would happen if um, Green Shirt Guy ended up in the front row of the next UFC pay-per-view and then just bleed shows up on Raw in the crowd? That that would be the real um, talent exchange, wouldn't it? That would be a real trade. Yeah. Um, they all have their characters, I suppose. But something tells me a front row at a UFC event might be that much more expensive than a typical Raw. Well, Dana White has always said that the best way to experience the UFC is to come to a show live in person. And when Nick Khan was interviewed by uh, Mark Ramundi at ESPN, uh, it noted in the story that 
Nick Khan told ESPN he believes that McMahon really started thinking about Endeavor as a partner when McMahon, Khan, McMahon's daughter Stephanie, and Chief Content Officer Paul Levesque attended UFC 276 in July of 2022 in Las Vegas. Khan said McMahon saw similarities between the UFC and WWE and how they grew. I love that this revelation came to Vince McMahon's head in July of 2022. You know what? This is kind of like pro wrestling. And Khan went on to state, it's not really his thing to go to basketball games, football games. It's just not what he does. When he decided, yeah, I want to go. And when he went, that's when I believe he started thinking about it. And it all started to manifest when we engaged in a fulsome process starting this past January. Hmm. I just would have loved to have seen the wheels turning. Here is Vince McMahon for the timeline. Okay. The Wall Street Journal uh, investigation or reporting starts in mid-June. And then we fast forward several weeks and Money in the Bank is going on in Las Vegas the same night as UFC 276. And this is Vince McMahon all of a sudden appearing in public uh, after several weeks after this scandal is broken. And it is uh, that night as he's sitting back and he's watching Israel Adesanya and Jared Cannonier that Vince is stating, you know what? This is a lot like WWE. We should get this thing. We should all jump in in business together. And then he retired three weeks later and... Ben had to just spend his whole time going back to UFC one and go through the dark ages and then live through victory in Vegas. And man, how could they go off the air without the last fight ending? And then he did marathon tough and he had a lot of time to catch up on MMA and decided at the end of the year, goddamn, <laughs> I'm going back to work. What's a retirement? This is pro wrestling. I can come out of retirement. What the board of directors doesn't want me. They think this would be a horrible idea. <laughs> Little do they know. And he's back. And all of this was hatched on this this evening in July of 2022 with Pat McAfee uh, working a neck injury uh, to the to the right there. Well, look mm. at this. Uh, what a what what a group to go watch fights with. Oh, Hunter, Hunter's got the, the, the photo down. He's got the fist pose. He's already it's it's 2010 for Hunter. He's ready for that affliction shirt. I, I'm very curious to know, like, I mean, to what depth of, um, I guess, uh, knowledge, you know, Vince would have when watching an MMA fight. You know, is he scoring rounds? Um, is he, you know, the type that just looks for knockouts? You know, like, what would be watching a an MMA fight? What Vince would be like? God, there's not enough 10-8s. <laughs> Could you imagine explaining, like, the scoring system to Vince McMahon? Like, I yeah. imagine he's coming into this completely cold. The story was always he watched the Chuck Liddell Quinton Jackson fight, which was 2007. Uh And the conclusion was Chuck Liddell was this big star and he got knocked out. And that was uh, like, we've never heard of any other stories of Vince McMahon uh, plopping down his uh, ESPN plus subscription to watch a pay-per-view, but would have been a bit been very interesting. Pat McAfee should have uh, done a follow-up with Vince doing a fight breakdown after afterwards. Mm, sure so anyway um beyond that um in the espn piece it also noted there are no plans for massive changes to the respective products um mark Amundi interviewed both nick Khan and lawrence epstein of the ufc uh and stated that um where they they could see um a potential like synergy is this idea and Khan spoke about this as well as like promoting these weekends where you could take SmackDown, a UFC pay-per-view, and a WWE premium live event and 
pitch them to a country, to a city, bring in that that site fee, and that would be pretty lucrative when you're looking at what the UFC is getting in Australia, uh, some of the places that WWE has has gone to as well. And th- this idea, I think people were, I saw some people misinterpreting, thinking that you might get cards where there's a combination of fights and pro wrestling matches. I don't think you will ever see that. And I think that would be an awful idea. But mm. the idea of piggybacking on each other's events, not all that different from that that UFC 276 card where here are these two companies were both running Vegas and this could be done in such a more calculated strategic way where we are bringing in hopefully different audiences to a major tourist spot like Vegas and we can piggyback off one another and promote people to both shows. I'm sure that that is going to be something that we see. I suppose like in my mind, what exactly is, is the thought behind piggybacking if they are different audiences? Well, the idea would be that many more travelers that would be uh, coming that hopefully you would be looking at creating new fans, too. Like you're going to Vegas for the weekend. I would never travel for a WWE show, but I would for UFC and I'm going to spend the weekend in Vegas. Maybe I go to the, this show and vice versa. If wrestling fans are in town, even if you're looking at a smaller percentage that might want to go on a Saturday night, they've never been to a fight card and mm. and th- decide to do it that way but regardless it's it's bringing people to the city and you can go to these governments and state hey instead of one night we could do two nights probably either large arenas or even in some cases stadium events right right i guess in my mind i just think it would be so incredibly hectic you know for let's say you know a a, a big wrestlemania level event type of weekend where hotels are already really tough enough to come by when you're dealing with wrestling fans when you throw in mma fans on top of that as well um it just seems like disaster written all over it for me uh, logistically but you don't hey. see these fan bases all coming together and partying and getting along with each other uh, with their political ideologies and um and such you don't see them. Uh, you being... know what? Um, punching people in the face always brings people together. So maybe never say never. Um, I suppose like would a negotiation have to be limited to one particular weekend? Why wouldn't they, you know, organize with a, a, a particular government to be able to say, hey, this weekend we'll bring in the WWE. This weekend we'll bring in the UFC. It's possible. I mean, that uh, Mark Shapiro was asked about the, you know, the past issues that Ari Emanuel had with the Saudi Arabian government giving back the the investment money and. And Mark Shapiro was the one who kind of had to like take the bullet here and state, no, we just weren't comfortable taking their money at that time for uh, some things that went down. And the host, uh, Matthew Bellany, cuts in. They murdered a journalist just so we're we're not like sugarcoating what what happened here. And yes. And he Mm -hmm. stated, but we never said we would never do business with Saudi Arabia ever again. And now now they're in business with them through uh through the deal and and listen i get it i think that you can you can point to uh an obvious uh, a a calculated and convenient change in philosophy but i mean at, at this level it, it it really is not a domain for high moral standing and and staying to that like this would be a very detrimental um blow if you were putting your your moral compass ahead of this gigantic deal so it's like i get it in in that side but just as he maybe felt like at the time you know doing business with saudi Saudi arabia with jamal shoji being such a hot topic would have been bad business for him and his company at the time um 
It would have, but it's like he was giving money back. It was like it was it was not just a case of, hey, we're not taking an event there or something like that. It's like it was a gigantic in injection. A lot of, of a lot of these businesses at the time under public scrutiny were was going were going to face a lot of PR um i think disasters in the face of like such a hot controversy at the time that's not the case anymore no and it's it's certainly not as heated of a of a topic as it was in 2018 but i wouldn't say it's nothing either um you know as as we have seen and you can look at like how far live golf got in in this in the united states before the pga deal and mm. you know the the resistance at, at that point as well but i mean you're just looking at this it's a giant influx of just annual revenue that is dwarfing you know whatever you're going to be looking at in in terms of site fees for an event that these wwe shows are getting two of them per year he even threw out the idea like they could take a ufc event there as well which Mm -hmm. has never been brought up that would be whatever wwe is getting i think a ufc one would be even more um more revenue for for the company on top of it so uh beyond that um certainly they're looking at an an estimated 50 to 100 million dollars in annual here uh get this way uh jot this all down annualized run rate cost synergies Okay. Cuts. Ah. Guys, everyone get together. We've we've got some exciting news about some annualized run rate cost synergies. Mm. Um, and this includes migrating WWE to Endeavor's back office infrastructure. The cost savings target presumably will also include layoffs at UFC and WWE, but the companies have not announced details about job cuts at this point. That coming from Variety. So um, that's in the in the in the near future. They also um, there there were multiple um, uh, bonuses that were handed out to various WWE executives on the completion of the sale. And then today announcing a one-time dividend to all class A shareholders. And guess who's the largest class A shareholder? Uh, Mr. McMahon. That would be Mr. McMahon who cashed in uh, over $111 million, which I I call that's, that's a strong Wednesday uh, when you can uh, uh, pull that off. And uh, there you go. TKO is now a publicly traded company on the on the talk mar- on the stock market under the uh the TKO uh lettering. So there you ha- there you have it. Plenty uh to still come on the on the whole TKO existence of these two companies and and when someone has a blow up among these I mean just look at that picture and it, it tells you everything right there of what what could go wrong. Which one? This one or this one? Uh th- that one. I mean this oh, is yeah. this is um you know, this is all the Marvel characters coming together. Like this mm-hmm. is all of Batman's foes together, and they've gone public. So there, there you have it. Look at look at how uh, Daniel Cormier made his way into this photo. Um, I mean, he I guess is one of the the most public facing fighter they have. If you staff. if you were in this photo way, would you go tie or no tie? Um, depends if I was like a pro wrestler or not, but it, uh, I think I would go no tie. Would you ever go the all black Dana White look? Like he just has a look. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I could pull off much of what Dana White has been able to pull off in a public setting. Is there, this is the last one I will bother you with. Is there one person up there that style wise you would, um, most be associated with? Like who, who would be like, Um, what is your look up there of, of all these guys? Uh, and women. I, I honestly don't know if, if there's any of them. Um, 
maybe this dude with half a face that you could see behind Nick Khan's head. I don't, I don't even know what he's wearing, but what about <laughs> Just you? Hiding in the background. Yeah, who who is that individual? In, in the I don't know. Okay, so I'd, I'd be the dude popping my head out behind Vince. <laughs> Who's like not even part of this is just like yeah. popping his head in, <laughs> yeah. just for the for the photo op. All right, we will uh, we will move on uh, from there and move on to the Royal Rumble for next year. They have announced that they are going to Tropicana Field on Saturday, January twenty seventh, followed by Raw at the Amelie Arena in Jan- on January 29th. Uh, so this will be in the in the Tampa region, St. Petersburg uh, for the Rumble, and then Tampa for Raw. What was interesting, and we talked about this with Brandon Thurston earlier today that you can go listen to, is that Orlando was planning to bid for the Royal Rumble. They were going to bid $850,000, and whether there was a better competing offer within the state, I don't know what ultimately landed the event going to St. Petersburg instead. But the idea was to uh, bid for the Rumble and have it at the the stadium that hosted WrestleMania 33, the uh, camping camping mm-hmm. world stadium whatever it's called um but instead it's going to be the tropicana field which did uh was one of the homes of the thunderdome during the pandemic mm-hmm. all right nxt on tuesday night a giant number eight hundred and fifty thousand viewers and a 0.26 which would be the ninth highest that nxt has ever done in the demo in its history and these are these are their highest numbers since uh, in three years, uh, going back to August and September of 2020, they were still only second for the night. There was a big soccer game on Univision that um, that beat it. But man, they they killed it in um, 18 to 49 was up 46 percent this week. 18 to 34, up 49 percent. Uh, men, 18 to 34 and 18 to 49, both up 56 percent. Um, one thing that all was right in the world uh Canadian audience was down from last week. So we, we do have uh, some, some regular uh, patterns to fall back on. But the big quarter, it was the overrun uh, with WrestleNomics reporting that the final eight minutes of the show, not incorporating an underrun, but instead the overrun, uh, topping a million viewers, 1,061,000 viewers and 403,000 uh, that saw Becky Lynch win the NXT women's title in a... Um, a very well-received match with Tiffany Stratton that I just thought took Tiffany Stratton to another level. Like to me, she lost the match, but she won in many other ways. I thought in this uh, performance and just the positioning of her uh, coming out of this. And, and I wouldn't even call this the best match on the show because that opener with Wesley and Ilya Dragunov was fantastic. So it was, it was a pretty strong episode of NXT and not just one that was boosted with star power, but rather it was a very good quality show. You did something meaningful in the main event. And uh, Becky Lynch has proven to be uh, the most effective of any of the main roster stars up to this point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this continued sort of like renewal of NXT as an actual third brand within their ecosystem has been really successful. And uh I would also say like beyond maybe these, you know, frequent sort of drop-ins from main, main talent roster, uh, roster members, their NXT roster day to day, I think is really coming into their own, whether, you know, if they were originals or if they're like, you know, members of the mm, like stars that were already on the independent wrestling scene and and really kind of being pushed to to the forefront. So it's, it's a good two hour wrestling show right now. Raw um, did not have as great uh, an outing on Monday night going against 
uh, I believe this was the most watched Monday night football game um, on cable. I believe it, it did a gigantic number. Um, and raw conversely, 1,353,000 viewers, which outside of the best of show that aired in December, this would be the lowest, the least watched raw. So for all intents and purposes, lowest first run episode of raw in history and a 0. 0.40 in the 18 to 49 demo. Uh, this was against a mammoth game between the, uh, the jets and the bills, which uh, featured pretty big story during the game with the injury to Aaron Rodgers, And this was airing across all of Disney's platforms of ABC ESPN. The Manning cast was on ESPN too. It was even on ESPN Deportes. So this was just a giant, giant game. I don't know if we'll see another Monday night game do this large of a number, but I'm curious your thought way that with raw that over this last year, they have grown, um, Pretty much, they are down now year over year when we're comparing it to September of last year. But as you have curbed this erosion and picking up fans, I'm curious how much of those people that have maybe jumped onto Raw as it's heated up are people that watching Raw on a Monday night is not their number one priority. And these are people that are going to be more susceptible to strong competition and other interests um, that they're going to have, such as a big game. And that's why, you know, maybe a Monday night football season, it's going to have more of an impact when your company is hotter and you do have more, I'll say fair weather fans rather than nuts like us that are watching every week. It's very possible. Yeah. Um, I guess logically it would, you would think that a, a lot of football fans would be tuning into professional wrestling when football wasn't around. Um, what could they do about that? You know, it's a problem that they faced for 20 something years. And football, that would be the key, right? Just mm. eliminate the sport. It's been a real thorn in their side. I think for Vince McMahon, I mean, he's lost millions of dollars trying to promote football right. over the last couple of decades. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he just probably hates football by now. Just get what? Get it banned? How would you stop football? Um, well, they can't run head-to-head uh, competitively. I don't think mm. that's going to eliminate them. They could sign. They they can't sign them all away. They can't do that. Um, <laughs> maybe they could talk about the uh, the blood and guts of football. Hmm. Hmm. Or maybe uh, bots. Maybe they can uh, try and get uh, people online. Start a start a campaign of sorts against the NFL. Stop. Okay, like a hashtag or something. What, whatever happened? Do you remember that story when Tony Khan brought up the story about like these bots and they were doing some kind of um, investigation or whatever? Into Do you remember this this controversy? Vaguely, yeah. And we, we never got any conclusion to this, like the, these bots, like it was insinuated, like it could have been uh, like who was who was behind all of this. And it, can't, it Tony Khan tweeted it out one day and mm-hmm. there were lots of questions and follow ups and not, nothing ever came of it. Maybe somebody can ask him in a future media call. I was never really expecting a conclu- conclusion anyway. He'd be like, oh, I, for- I forgot. I don't know. Whatever. That was just, uh, you know, one of those <laughs> things. Okay. A few more things here. Uh, we, we've gone long here, and then we'll get to Dynamite. But last thing is on uh, Brian Danielson. He did an interview with uh, Justin Barrasso at SI.com and gave a bit more insight into his thought process of what this next year, uh, what his thinking is behind it. And as we suspected coming out of collision, not the idea that it would be a hard end to his career, but he said, I don't think I'll ever reach a point where I declare I'm absolutely done. I want the ability to show up when I want to show up. Terry Funk is someone I always admired. He retired a million times, but he loved it so much. He couldn't help but keep doing it. And he did it when he wanted for me. It might be a couple times a year, or it might be years between matches. And 
he suspects that it'll be around August of next year that this winds down. And he says that I didn't get a chance to do all in this year. I would like that chance next year. And he promoted the match with Zack Sabre Jr. His, uh, his daughter will be turning seven in May. So he won't be done by the time she turns seven. But it seems like shortly after that, we'll at least be greatly reducing his schedule. But I mean, also said like he he wants to be able to do many different things, he even throughout the idea, like he would love to do a defy show and uh, throughout that idea. But it does seem like a year from now, the idea of him as, as a weekly performer, that is probably not going to be the case for Danielson. And he's one of those few guys that I think you do take seriously when they're talking about this, as opposed to many performers that will always say, well, I'm going to be done by the time I'm 40. And then they get there. It's like, well, I'm going to go for a few more years. I think Danielson's probably given this a lot of thought before he stated it publicly in, in this promo. And, you know, he's, he's got the, the year to, it sounds like just go all out, but even he's realizing this, he, he stated in the interview that, all these big matches I'm getting hurt and it is uh, a, a sign like these. And that's, you know, he has a lot of ambitious matches I'm sure in his head for this year. And there's, there's that aspect too. Like this guy has gone through quite a lot of injuries. Yeah. And I think his key right now is to stay healthy for, so that he could actually have a quote unquote retirement year. You know um, it's one thing to just simply be able to make the towns, but he's wrestling too. He's wrestling now. Um, like maybe, I guess maybe more so working the, you know, the CM Punk schedule where like maybe one week he'll be speaking another week. He'll actually have a match, but nonetheless, he's putting himself at a lot of risk and there are a lot of big matches that I'm sure he's got planned for this next year. So I hope he could stay healthy. Um, but overall, this is like a happy story, you know, so often and including Brian Danielson, Danielson earlier in his career, um, they're forced into retirement. This is a guy choosing to slowly walk away on his own terms. And let's hope he can get there uh, with exactly the way he intends. Do you think that Tony Khan would allow him to wrestle a bear on TV before this year is out? Probably not. Maybe maybe bear country or bear Bronson. I think if this was another generation and people like, I, I think that would get a lot of uh, negativity for AEW to do uh, a, a match with a bear. But mm-hmm. in another generation, I think Tony Khan would say, absolutely. You could do it. I guess it's, it's kind of wrestling tradition, isn't it? This guy's wanted a match with a bear and uh, hmm. this is, this is the time to do it. Um, well, okay. Would that do a good number on TV? Uh, Brian Danielson versus a bear. I would hope so. I guess it depends if there's a, you know, other competition on. Well, let's get into Dynamite that did not feature any bears on this uh, broadcast from the Heritage Bank Center in Cincinnati. Uh, WrestleTix reporting that as of Wednesday evening, uh, just over 2,500 tickets distributed, certainly on the low end for AEW um, shows th- this year. And they were starting off with uh, the hometown son himself, John Moxley, coming out full-on babyface, and he's in the the Bengals colors and defending the international championship against Big Bill. And Starks Starks is in the corner and tries to trip him from the floor, missing, and Bill overpowers. They mentioned these two. They used to be roommates at a certain Hmm. point. So we got that that little uh, nugget of information. Uh, We go to picture-in-picture after Moxley is thrown into the timekeeper's table. And when we come back... The man has been lacerated and he is bleeding and their tables are sharp. They're like, well, he must have hit something when he was thrown over that table. I was like, man, he must have hit something if that's the case. Uh, But yeah, he was just covered here as we come back. Um, 
big uh, lariat exchange. Um, Bill goes down and Moxley lands a cutter, starts then shoves Moxley off of the top, crotching him. And Danielson runs down attacking Starks. And then a choke slam is hit by Big Bill. He kicks out and then Moxley locks on a triangle. And I really like this sequence where the pro wrestling counter to the triangle is you just lift the guy up and you slam him out. Any MMA fight, like nine times out of 10, someone tries that and it only gets deeper and it never works. And it's like a disconnect for me, but I figure most of the audience, it's it's not. But this was one where Bill lifts him and he can't slam him out and Moxie just gets a deeper grip and Bill just slumps down and he has to submit in 11 minutes and 20 He turned seconds. it into an arm bar, actually. Did he turn it to an arm bar? I thought mm-hmm. he had like the triangle arm bar. He turned, he put his leg on the other other side. So, yeah. And he submitted him. 11 minutes, 27 seconds. Yeah, really good choice of opponent, I thought, for Mox to continue this uh, baby face run here in Ohio. Um, also, of course, a way to, you know, tag on to Brian and Starks, of course. I didn't enjoy this match as much as the Andretti match on Saturday. Um, despite Bill, I think, being a more natural heel to, you know, face a smaller size John Moxley here. I thought the action was a little bit dull for, for the most part, especially like when you have Big Bill in control and Mox not really being able to execute his usual style as the underdog. Um, I I thought this was a bit of a below standard John Moxley title match. I was into it at, at points. It wasn't, I didn't think it was a blow away match. It helped that the audience really did have a baby face to get into uh, that, that, that helped things. Uh, but I see what you're saying. It was not, um, not at the level of like some blow away great match. I don't know if this show had uh, that. And that's sort of been a pattern now developing specific more to dynamite. I don't like collision usually has at least one big, great match and dynamite. Mm-hmm. Whether it's just like where the standard is, but I mean, this was another week where it's like I felt the talking segments were sort of carrying the show in many respects. Mm-hmm. I imagine some weeks you'll get that, some weeks you'll get better talking segments, you know. Starks and Bill, they continue their attack, and Starks uses his shoe on Danielson. So Claudio comes down. He is not going to put up with a man's shoe. And he lifts up Bill, and Bill gets put onto the apron. And in this whole uh, uh, brawl, they broke Ricky Stark's pearl necklace. Ooh. So possible stipulation down the road. And <laughs> a pearl necklace match. Oh. Um, Goodness. Yeah, they they could. Maybe. Hmm. Um, no, never mind. Um, so after we get this whole like pull apart deal and this angle, they just put the graphic up. Next week, John Moxie versus Ray Phoenix. I'm like, this feels very disconnected from what I just watched. Well, I guess follow up on this. Phoenix was already in line for a shot after Saturday. So it's an open challenge. And I guess whoever lines up, whoever gets his name signed first gets the shot. Renee is with Roderick strong in the kingdom and they get approached by Adam Cole and Cole thinks this is a horrible idea facing Samoa Joe. He could break your neck and strong says, well, now you care about my neck health and said, he's going to break MJF's back and become the new champion. He is a wrestling legend. And they leave Cole to think about this. We had a recap of Takeshita's wins over Kenny Omega at All In and All Out as Shivani brings them out to the ring and we have the reveal of their next target, a.k.a. their painting. So Kala says that Takeshita, better than Akira Maeda, better than Ricky Choshu, Seiji Sakaguchi, better than Antonio Inoki. And now Takeshita is the alpha and not a fake one like Jericho was. An alpha takes everything they can and then they don't feel 
they don't feel anything in terms of remorse. And then they take some more. I didn't know that was the definition of an alpha. I don't know what the definition of an alpha is. Well, this is it. Takeshita. He said that they broke Omega's body. Now they're going to break his heart. And they revealed that the next target will be Kota Abushi. And this is going to kill Kenny Omega as they reveal this painting where Takeshita is raising a sword over Kota Abushi's head and state that they will take him from Omega. And what they're going to do to Kota Abushi, they are not just going to beat him. They're going to butcher him, skin him, burn him. And while his blood is spilling, Omega will be at home watching like the pathetic cuck that you are. And then stabs the screwdriver into Coda's face on the painting. <laughs> hmm. Wow. A lot, a lot was said here. A lot was done here. Um, so, uh, you know, this is Abushi's first match or uh, singles match. I, 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 just, I should say with an AEW and, I don't know if re- reviews of his um, current output has been maybe as strong as I think expectations have been for Kota Ibushi in the past, but in a single capacity, maybe it'll be very different. Uh, I'm always still going to look forward to a Kota Ibushi match, especially in a singles capacity. Um, what did he mean by, you know, uh, Kenny will be watching at home? First of all, they didn't announce when this match would be taking place. They did not, no. But but is is Callis assuming that Kenny would not be present at whatever event this would take place at that that was the implication that Kenny Omega how, how would, be, would he know that because he believes he's a he's a cuck I guess I don't know <laughs> like, I don't know what what his the mention of Inokis would suggest wrestle dream right you would you think know? so and I, it, it really sounded like they thought that that line was going to get some kind of a reaction but I don't I don't know how many 2,500 people in Cincinnati were going to react to uh because Anoki was the big name at the end that they built towards. And you would think naturally this is um, – and did he I, just I don't really ask- look at Kota Ibushi as this defender of uh, Anoki's honor, but maybe this is more just a line for for Heat. Sure, yeah. But the, and you, would, would, you would naturally look at Seattle. That would make the most sense for, for this match. But would that mean Kenny wouldn't be on WrestleTree, if that's what he said? Potentially, yeah. What Remind me, like, wh- is Kenny just out from this – all all out beating like where he got hit with the knee uh i didn't seem like that you know the type of beating that would um send somebody out for a month because he he hasn't been on in the last he wasn't on last week right i don't i don't he wasn't <laughs> Dude, no, he wasn't he wasn't okay mm. it was like that's what we saw it was like he, he took the knee strike which right this maybe man is going to be at home nursing a knee to the face yeah the painting is hilarious i think callus it, it was the exposed great. knee it was the exposed knee so oh the exposed knee yeah that's it. i i like the uh, nickname the alpha a lot you know it's cool yeah they also noted his new his his the knee now has a name and i i missed the, the name of the move but it, it does have a name now instead of just the knee to the face i thought this was a great segment i, I thought don callus was great in the segment and i mean it's a killer match that that you get i mean kota bushi i think there is uh, more more questions about, but man, this is as great an opponent as you're going to have to have a killer uh, singles match. And it was, I thought, laid out really well. And I think the most that they have leaned on, like the Omega Kota Bushi like relationship and trying to convey that in in this setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Marvez spoke with the BCC. Moxley is still covered in this blood. And 
Danielson issues a challenge to Starks and Big Bill to face him and Claudio next week at Grand Slam. And Moxley mentions how him and Claudio having title matches next week. That's what we call a day off. And Phoenix hears this and he comes over and he just tells him that he's going to beat him next week. There's a pull apart and we we brush everyone aside as Kingston and Claudio are left there staring at each other. And Kingston just laughs, saying one more week before their title versus title match. And of course, if you remember, uh, they laid Phoenix out ahead of a stadium stampede. That's right. Yes. So um, affected his uh, his ability to travel. Yes. Such mm-hmm. a bad beating. Renee interviews Hook and Craig congratulates him on winning the FTW title. Obviously, this title win will be the most memorable portion of that match where you beat Jack Perry on the on the zero hour. Right. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. all I remember. Yeah. Real title. Cry me a river. And Orange Cassidy comes in. So he was just walking around and uh, Hook looks all mad, but he shouldn't be mad. He has a title. I used to have a title. And Hook says, you were a great champion. Thanks, man. You too. And Cassidy admits that he's still so tired. <laughs> yes. This, I'll tell you what's probably making him more sleep deprived is being on the road and showing up at all these shows like he said, I'm not going to miss any weeks, but I was like, you're not really doing a whole lot. Like you're physically here. Like that's to be applauded. But I mean, this is maybe catch up on some rest, just one week mm-hmm. rest up instead of doing this. Yeah. Um, nothing announced, I guess, for him on Rampage at the moment. Nothing. So Wasn't announced for any of the shows over the next week. I guess he just came to do this. And to enjoy some catering, to say say hi to some friends, I'm sure. Maybe this is building up to a quarter hour where he sleeps. I I think I would watch that. That would be interesting. Um, so still no clear direction about, you know, what Orange Cassidy is doing afterwards. And maybe you won't get it until after Grand Slam at this point. And what, what's Hook doing? Grand Slam? They didn't set up anything for him for Grand Slam, which is surprising. Where's Action Bronson? What's he doing? I was I was really hoping for a year out that it would be Action Bronson and Hook against mm-hmm. Swerve and Rick Ross. That's what I wanted. Mm. Missed opportunity. I mean, they could always announce something. Mm-hmm. Tony Storm, Britt Baker, Hikaru Shida, and Nyla Rose. This is the four-way eliminator match to determine who faces Soraya next week. And Tony Storm comes out. Dude, Tony Storm is going to be a hell of a baby face. They're already behind her. Everyone, like you saw the like the tits out signs, and man, they popped when she just the bell rings and she just rolls out to the floor. And then when Nyla's in control. Tony just comes in and does a pose and this crowd pops and it was, uh, you know, she, she's going to be like just stealing the attention in these matches. Uh, Storm hits a snap German onto Baker and then a hip attack onto Nyla. And she goes for a super kick to Sheeta, but she hesitates and doesn't do it. So you've kind of got Sheeta who is like, how dare you strike me in a four way match? (laughs) And I don't know how you're supposed to feel about this. Like you've had the, like Britt Baker has, Definitely a run afoul of Sheeta, but in this match, and even the announcers were pulling were pointing mm-hmm. this out. It's like this is kind of a ridiculous expectation of your opponent. Agreed, but, agreed. I don't know if this setting was the best to try to you know convey that whatever difference they might have as friends. So there was a there was a beast bomb onto Tony Storm, but Storm countered and was struck by Sheeta, and Sheeta hit the uh, the katana to Rose, and then Baker super kicks Sheeta to stop it, and then we got this really badly timed stomp by Baker onto Sheeta, and that set up a roll up as Tony rolls up Britt Baker in six twenty five, and Sheeta is upset with Baker, and that's one story that is coming out of this, and then Tony Storm challenging Soraya. 
and Nyla Rose was just here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> she doesn't really have that much story going on. I mean, everything you know seems to revolve around the four that that uh, had that match at All In. Um, I thought the match felt maybe a little bit quick with the commercial break in there to be um, all that effective in maybe you know being a significant like in ring wrestling match that I would recommend. Um, but it did give us a number one contender, advance the story that way. And I think Storm is the hottest character in the division right now. And it makes sense to give her that big title match at Grand Slam. She this might even be a scenario where I could see a title win, although she's the char- she's the type of character that probably benefits more from not winning the championship. And then of course we break off into Sheeta versus Baker as well. Yeah, and they brought up the fact that it was it was Grand Slam last year that Soraya appeared. So mm-hmm. here it is one year later, and a year ago, Tony Storm was the champion. So that's kind of how they are going into this one. Soraya and Ruby were interviewed, and Soraya goes over her history. Storm has lost everything, including her title, her top spot, and her mind. She's crazy, and she's going to lose the match at Grand Slam, and Soraya is going to leave her with nothing. Mm-hmm. Which I could see being the case. Yeah. So, I mean, I get trash talking, but like, weren't these, isn't Tony still technically a part of this faction? Aren't these guys all still friends? Uh, No, she's now um, an (laughs) in-cast. She's been casted. She's been casted? Got it. Her new film. I thought thought the promo went a little bit hard, like for somebody who's still, you know, supposedly um, has some sympathy, like in the past for maybe her... um, her friend that's that's uh going through whatever tony storm is going through um i expected more of like a you know maybe gradual progression towards like such a you know heated hatred between the two cost ruby the tbs title that's it cut ties that's all it takes okay yeah that's sure it. chris jericho and sammy guevara were out to judas and they promote this as a first-time match for Grand Slam and how they've been together since the first episode of Dynamite. And they want to remind people of the great memories that they have had over the years. And we go to, like, the cheesiest video uh, done to Don't Forget Me of their their highs and lows over over the last four years. I mean, this was just so... How do you know the name of the song? Because uh, of Shazam. Oh, very nice. I mean, and the lyrics pretty much consist of Don't Forget Me. Yeah, I mean, this was ridiculous. Gabar admits he still doesn't know the lyrics to Judas. Jericho laughs. You weren't in key either when you sang. And Jericho said he first spotted Sammy Guevara at the NWA 70th anniversary pay-per-view. Jericho shelled out the cash on Fight TV, ordered that pay-per-view, and was blown away. Called Tony Khan and said they needed to sign him uh, by how he looked and carried himself. And saw him grow from a, a boy to a man. And now he's won titles. He's gotten married. And then he tried to explain that now he was having a child. But the way he like worded this, it was like, you're, you're now having a baby of your own. And then Jericho just cracks and explains that it's your wife that is going to be having the baby for any confusion that may have been left on the, on the people. Sammy will not be giving birth. Cool. New York State Athletic cool. Commission would not allow such a thing to Good happen. To have that week. clarification. Sammy says 
you know, I don't want to talk trash. I was inspired by you. I did code breakers in the backyard and thanks Jericho for changing his life without Jericho. There is no AEW, but I didn't come here to be your sidekick. I want to be the man. I want to hold the title and be a top guy just like you, but it can't happen as long as I'm in your shadow. I need to beat you next Wednesday. Jericho says, you weren't brought here to be my sidekick. You were brought here to be a main event star. I told you to go do it on your own. You have to beat me to get to the next level. But you're going to have to be the best Sammy Guevara you've ever been to have a chance of beating me. And he doesn't think that Sammy is ready to beat him yet. And that sets off Sammy, who says, there's the real Jericho, who doesn't truly respect me like the way I respect you. Well, this version of Sammy will beat you. I'm going to earn your respect. Then we'll shake hands and then we can go win the tag titles. Jericho pulls him in for his final words. He gives him this intense stare and tells Guevara he's going to give him the match of his life. I'm not going to go easy on you. I'm going to beat the hell out of you and punch you harder than you I've ever punched someone before. It's going to have wow. a super vicious punch ready for Sammy Guevara. And he expects the same in return. Guevara agrees and Jericho takes off. Uh, I thought a really good segment to build this up overall. Yeah, um, I, I didn't really quite know what to think of it afterwards because they were playing the sort of like over over sentimental card with the video. And then even like the actual segment itself felt oddly heartfelt for two people who are you know largely like heels that are completely full of shit and don't do this type of segment so it almost to me kind of felt like a parody of one of those types of like big brother little brother types of segments and the end result is that it it has you probably feeling suspicious about which one of these two is you know acting mm, sort of as uh, not not true to their words um I do expect them to go on to have a tag team title run because I'm looking for any just continued justification of why they beat Aussie open last week. Well, I think that's the, the part of this, like hopefully they, they have this great match next week, but you either have Guevara losing and he's got a team with this guy and kind of relegate himself to, I am the sidekick and I'm not at his level yet. And they're going for the tag titles or he has, he has surpassed his leader, and now Jericho has to be second fiddle to Guevara. Like, regardless, the tag team, it's it's met with this strife based on this ending next week, which is, it is kind of of the playbook, not the same playbook as Cole and MJF, but it is sort of the same thing where you are waiting to see who is going to turn on who mm-hmm. and and whether you're kind of overplaying it when that is your main event angle. But I really did like the segment just in terms of making this feel like a match that does have some consequences coming out of it and the curveball that regardless, they are going to team together afterward. MJF, they showed from last week in the trainer's room, uh, nursing his neck injury, and he was happy. He doesn't have to travel this week to, because he's not medically cleared, but he will be cleared in two weeks, which I want to know how that works. Like you're not medically cleared next week because of a neck injury, but you are cleared in two weeks. I mean, maybe just an injury that they think will take two weeks to heal. Well, it's also, we don't want any question marks for those people to buy tickets to see this guy wrestle in two weeks. We're making it very clear. Maybe, maybe this trainer has um, 
an ability to see into the future, much like MJF had to do here because this was last week and he had to cut a promo about Joe and Strong before they had won their semifinal matches. So he had to preface it by stating that I, if I think who's going to win, I think it's going to be Roderick Strong and Samoa Joe. So he cut promos on these two with – and amazing how this worked out because had either one lost their semifinal match they couldn't have aired this that is a great catch yeah <laughs> they definitely fumbled by calling this last well, i mean he did preface it by he didn't just state like these two he's like if they win their next match so they did put in that caveat oh okay so he was more so cutting a promo about who he would like to face Yes, he was stating, like, yeah, he thinks okay. that Roderick Strong will make it to the final, and the other person he thought he would make it to the final would be Joe. So I guess that's not that big of a leap. I think that's what everybody was predicting. He clearly, he overlooked Darby and uh, Penta. Mm-hmm. As we all did. And then uh, at the end of this, so he runs down Roddy the Simp Strong and Samoa Joe, who he states... Uh, MJF actually said, it's not about the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. And he's a New York pit bull who has a whole lot of bite. And he promises on his life. This is like Chad Gable swearing to God that if he, if he wrestles Samoa Joe, he will choke him out. And then goes into the Steiner math promo. Which I'm almost over at this point, the Steiner math promo. I actually didn't think it really fit here, to be quite honest. I understand Samoa Joe is the uh, the common denominator. This just felt really out of place. Maybe it was the closest he was going to get to be able to use something like this. It tells me they're doing one match because if not, if he was going to do a series of matches with Joe, I think he'd hold off on the math promo for another time. But, but a singles match doesn't really call for three-way math. Not at all. Like, that's what I'm saying. He, like, force-fed this math problem. But here you at least have, I guess, you know, uh, Joe amongst a field of people, right? I mean, whatever. We're we're over th- way overthinking it. Well, Brian Cage and Hangman Page, finally, the third installment of this series that goes back to April of 2021 and May of 2021. And for two and a half years, people have been just asking when. Well, tonight was the night, September 13th, 2023. Uh, Cage is uh, draped onto the middle rope. So it is Hangman Page hitting a 619 onto Brian Cage and sets up for the buckshot lariat when Swerve's music begins playing. So they cut to Prince Nana dancing. That is just taken off. This guy has uh, mm-hmm. become the, the star of the, the Mogul Embassy. Yeah. Um, he makes that this entrance. It's It's fantastic. So Cage then takes advantage of the distracted hangman and deadlift Germans him into the ring. We go through the break and there's a a crucifix bomb counter by Page and then the Orihara moonsault to the floor. Cage comes back with the German and Cage is yanked off the middle rope. So he falls down on his back, boots Cage and then catches the buckshot and Page comes off into an inside cradle for a two count and then connects with the dead eye to pin Brian Cage and goes ahead in the series two to one after 12 minutes and four seconds. And they are set to have uh, match number four in 2027. Um, I suppose so at some point, right? Yeah. I mean, a trilogy that I guess I, I don't remember really um, thinking of as a, a trilogy so much, but you know, anything to kind of make this match feel more important than it was. And what it really was, was just a setup of course for page in uh, his promo to swerve. Swerve is on the ramp and Paige addresses him about 
What passion, what drive oozed out of you tonight on the ramp as you watch me kick Cage's ass? You said you want my spot, but you sent Brian Cage out to fight me instead of doing it yourself. I thought you had some balls. So Swerve pulls out a microphone and says, what up, turd? And then in what looks to be his ongoing uh, attack on the education system of the U.S., went after Cincinnati's education system, and that got easy heat. Just don't don't ever insult a city's education system. Yeah, I'm trying to think what what state he wouldn't be or what city he wouldn't be able to use that on. I mean, Washington is what are, are the, is Washington known to have a really good education system? No, but this is where his promo goes. Like here is this oh his own state you mean, ultra yes. heel, and he he does the Nakamura here. He's like, I'm not going to fight you tonight. I will choose when and where I fight you. So I'm going to choose the great state of Washington, where I was born, for Wrestle Dream, October 1st, in Swerve's house. And it leads to Brian Cage attacking Hangman from behind. Nana's doing his dance. When the Young Bucks arrive, Super Kick Cage, they're mocking Nana's dance, and then they take him out as well. So it's Hangman Page and Swerve Strickland. It's in Seattle, and... This is something AEW, they continually do. Like, they are not going to have their heels fight the crowd. And instead, you have set up this scenario where Swerve is going to be the babyface to this audience. Perhaps. We'll see. I mean, I, I mean, this promo certainly invited that. I mean, he was complimentary. He called it the great state. It's Swerve's house. I, it's possible. I don't know if I've seen that sort of reaction for Swerve um, the last few times they were in Washington, but I also don't don't really remember at the moment. I mean, Hangman is also a, the type of person that you could potentially see cheered over even a hometown person if that hometown person cuts, you know, some sort of promo against Seattle. Um, it depends on the intended effect, but like with AEW, we've seen they don't really mind, you know, sort of um, what, what they call, I guess, bizarre world types of reactions from time to time. Renee interviewed Daniel Garcia, and he doesn't want to be asked about Sammy Guevara. He mentions how he went viral four times in one month. Was one of them because of Davey? I I don't know. I don't remember. Callis walks in, and he wants to hear more about Daniel Garcia and talks about the family he's constructing being a utopian meritocracy, and Garcia silences Callis, does his dance, and walks off. Uh, Callis doesn't get the hint. He says, that's money. And chases after Garcia. Mm-hmm. So he's been courting. He courted Sammy last week, and then this week, or maybe a week before that, and this week it was Garcia. So, could he be looking to bring on every member of the JAS over to his group? He's going to work on Hager next week. Give him a new hat. They recapped uh, Jade Cargill's return on Collision, and then announced the big rematch between Chris Statlander and Jade Cargill is happening now, and will air on Rampage on Friday night. Yeah, a little surprising that they they were choosing to put this on Rampage and not any of the other shows that they have coming up. Certainly not a pay per view, um, not Jade's- even Collision. Like you would think this would be. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm very curious. Like this, like Collision does have uh, Brian Danielson wrestling on it this week, but we're going into Saturday and you've got uh, all this competition and we've got two matches announced. One of which is FTR against the Iron Savages, which. With all due respect, um, I, you could argue Rampage is like the the bigger built show this week based on just the lineup that they've got. Mm-hmm. 
maybe it's their effort to you know put something must see on on rampage or at least as must see as, as a rampage can handle mm-hmm. um maybe it also it also tells you you might get some sort of non-finish for another rematch who knows so they could build number three um i don't they love I don't that know. number yeah Darby Allen and Nick Wayne took on Matt Menard and Angelo Parker. We had Jake Hager and Anna Jay in the corner. And Christian Cage and Luchasaurus came out on commentary. And they plugged Brian Danielson against Zack Sabre Jr., which, if I'm not mistaken, was, I think, the first time on tonight's show that they announced the dream match that is taking place on the pay-per-view. Um, it, they Like one of Brian's previous appearances, I feel like you might have heard some mention of it. But, yeah. Well, they promoted it here. Hager yanks Darby and clotheslines him on the floor. Uh, They beat on Wayne as they go through the break. And then Darby gets the tag after they come back. His lower back is taped. And Parker is shoved into a Wayne's world. uh, But Menard breaks the fall. And Nick Wayne, like, rolls to the floor. And he's, like, so aghast at Matt Menard. He's, like, he couldn't believe. Like, how dare you break up this pin? And he had this look like he was just insulted by such an egregious act against the rules of professional wrestling. It was an amazing, um, I was like, dude, you're in the company that this is what they do. They break up balls. <laughs> um, both climb to the top turnbuckle and Wayne hits a moonsault to the floor while Darby hits the coffin drop on his broken spine and pins Parker in seven minutes and 39 seconds. And Cage gets up. He says he's sick of these guys and tells Nick Wayne, I was scrolling through your mom's Instagram. She doesn't post enough bikini pics, but I sent her a private request and I, he, I guess, also found on her Instagram way too much talk about the coffin match that him and Swerve lost at All In. He insults the Bengals and uh, losing to the Cleveland Browns. And Christian notes that he didn't lose the fall in the coffin match. And I didn't have my regular partner. So he issues a challenge for him and Luchasaurus to take on Darby and Sting at Grand Slam next Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Cool. Like, I mean, Christian, I think, has been doing so well, especially in this feud against Nick Wayne and Darby Allen, and um, having a match at, um, on, uh, you know, with Sting in New York, I think, is a perfect setting for them to basically do a rematch with Luchasaurus and Swords Place. And then the rundown rampage for Friday night has Chris Statlander against Jade Cargill in the rematch for the TBS title. The acclaimed and daddy ass in trios action. Christopher Daniels and Matt Seidel against the kingdom and the Lucha brothers team with the Hardys against Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, the butcher and the blade and collisions got Danielson and Claudio against Starks and big bill FTR against the iron savages main event time. Roderick strong Samoa Joe in the finals of the eliminator tournament. Strong is stalling on the floor. We go through a break and Joe comes at him, uh, Manhattan drop, boot, senton, then hits a power slam. Strong comes back, and he's trying for the stronghold, but is kicked off, runs into the urinagi, and then Joe signals for the muscle buster. Mike Bennett stops him on the apron, and Strong gets up, hits the angle slam and a sick kick that Joe kicks out of, and then Strong, this was just great. He leaps at Joe, and his head's taken off with a midair clothesline, and he snaps on the coquina clutch. Strong taps out in 11 minutes and two Two seconds the road to max comes to an end for roderick strong and joe gets onto the microphone calling for mjf says i'm coming to your backyard i'm gonna take everything you have kid everything and <laughs> it was 9 54 which is the equivalent of like an hour in aew time it was like what are they going how many angles are we going to see in the next six minutes and so joe um 
starts to depart as Strong and the Kingdom are in the ring, and Adam Cole runs down, and Strong looks and sees Adam, and he just goes down to his back, selling his neck. And Tony Schiavone isn't putting up with any of this. He's calling him a fake. It's like, come on. And Adam Cole is looking so concerned. Taz is playing the devil's advocate that maybe he really is hurt. But I thought Tony Schiavone was like the only guy that came across like the credible one that the audience is thinking the same thing. While Adam Cole just looked like a fool here buying into this. I agree, too. Um, I mean, Cole must have seen or whatever. Like it's we don't audience saw it. So it's like, but we don't know what Cole's up to. Right. What you think this is a plan that he's pretending to think that Cole Mm -hmm. that strong hurt? Possible. Well, they do the whole stretcher job and Cole and the kingdom are arguing and they stop Cole from leaving with Roderick. So Cole is there on the ramp and from behind Joe returns with a coquina clutch as he replies, everything, Max, I'm taking everything from you. And he didn't kill Adam Cole. He did. Nor did he burn him or skin him as uh, another heel was promised. And he puts out Cole and the crowd starts chanting Joe. They were all behind this guy by the end. I mean, how could you not? This guy's oh, like the coolest character of this whole cool. final segment. Like everyone else from Roderick, the kingdom to Adam Cole, to me, they all came off like the least sympathetic as compared to Joe, who's just this kick-ass character that is the easiest to just get behind. Totally. Absolutely. I mean, um, they will cheer MJF plenty, I'm sure, at um, Arthur Ashe um, next week. But they've done such a great job, I think, of elevating Samoa Joe into, I think, the hottest version of Joe we've seen in years. Certainly the hottest he's been in AEW thus far. Um, He looked unstoppable in the match. Everything he did looked so incredibly heavy. And um, notably, they saved Roderick Strong from a muscle buster tonight, which I think they still want to protect as a very legitimate move that could cripple somebody because they needed, um, you know, to give Strong the excuse that he was he's faking the injury afterwards. And they ended just running through the Grand Slam card. So this is what we have for next week. MJF against Samoa Joe, Soraya against Tony Storm, Jericho and Sammy Guevara, Claudio against Eddie Kingston, Christian and Luchasaurus against Sting and Darby Allen, and John Moxley against Ray Phoenix. And I guess it remains to be seen if any of these get transferred over to Friday's show. If This is a lot for a two-hour show. You mean four matches? Uh, six matches. Oh, okay, right. Yes. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I have to imagine, like, if they're advertising all of them, you're probably yeah, they, they could. Out. I mean, they they could they could fit in these six, but I think that would require at least one of them to not get a crazy amount of time. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. It looks like a really good card. It looks like a great card for mm-hmm. for next week. We'll see if this lineup uh, moves tickets for Arthur Ashe Stadium. They're at around like sixty three hundred or so. I don't know how much of a surge you're going to get over this last week, but it is a really enticing card. And it's now buy one, get one. Yeah, they are doing that that two-for-one uh, sale on top of things. So mm-hmm. I think they just they want bodies in there, obviously. But that was Dynamite. I thought it was a show that had uh, more of a building aspect to it. I didn't think this was one of the uh, more blow-away great episodes of Dynamite. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say any of the wrestling was um, anything must-see and – but I think everything was designed around building up next week. And I would say overall, I thought like I give it a B in terms of the buildup for next week. Like by the end of it, I think the Grand Slam card felt more important than the beginning of the show. 
Agreed. Yeah, I thought they did a good enough job building up Grand Slam to the point where I feel like it's a it's a pretty hot show. I'm actually more optimistic for like the build to Grand Slam than I probably was for the build to All Out or even All In. And let's also say like I have higher expectations for those particular builds because they're pay per views, and one of them happened to be in Wembley. But for a Grand Slam, like a, a special edition of AEW Dynamite, I think the build has been pretty good for for what they've uh, what they've done for Grand Slam. And even with the story of Roderick Strong, like the more enticing match is Joe to the point that I could see a lot of people that maybe just were assuming this would be at the pay-per-view mm-hmm. and the fact it's happening at Grand Slam. Like, is is that a match that could move several hundred tickets, for instance, that mm-hmm. is, you know, a match that if you're in New York, you might not have been assuming that. Um, so it does feel like of the two options, you're getting the bigger match than than what Roderick would have been. Agreed. Agreed. I think Wrestle Dream is going to be sold on Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. That to me feels like it's it's going to be the biggest match on the show unless they announce somebody something really big for MJF. But Grand Slam to me, it, it, you know, you could headline MJF and, and, uh, versus Joe for, for that particular show. Okay, we will open it up. If you want to send in any super chats, you're welcome to do so. And we are going to your feedback at forum.postwrestling.com to chat about tonight's edition of Dynamite. You start yep. us off with. Uh, we have a couple super chats. First one comes to us from Jake from the Windy City who says, Max, the big bad Burberry daddy. Yes. Okay. Uh, really impressive the way he recited the math promo tonight. Oh, he he had it down pat. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, certainly uh, can't can't knock the execution of it. Yeah. Thank you, Jake. And we got Andy who sends 100 rupees who says, very excited to see Joe take on MJF. In my opinion, Joe is having his best year in a long time. Also, should we be should we take the all in turnstile numbers at face value? Yeah, I wanted to uh, to go over this because um, uh, Brandon Thurston had reported on this, that there was a, a public records requ- request uh, for AEW all in uh, to the Freedom of Information Office for the Brent Civic Center. And you can read this at WrestleNomics.com. And it read that the actual numbers registered entering Wembley Stadium through the turnstiles was 72,265. This is reflective of what attended or, or of how many attended on the night and not the total number of tickets sold or no shows, etc. AEW announced the paid attendance for the event was 81,035, calling it a new worldwide record for pro wrestling. WrestleNomics was told by a source that a typical AEW event has a drop count, also known as a turnstile count, that is about 80 to 90 percent of the paid attendance, which would make this one, if this number is accurate, the 72,265, 89 percent of 83,131, which would be the, that would be the, tickets distributed number which would include uh comps and such um it also uh noted it's unclear how sweet attendees may weigh into the numbers for either events so i guess you you could still have some some questions after this but that does seem to be the the turnstile can like this is coming from the um from the from the police essentially yes from the government yes so, so when we're comparing about records, when we were discussing numbers, what the AEW had have um, announced is that they're eighty one thousand and thirty five tickets. That's the paid attendance, and is that still a record? So the problem is we we don't know what the paid number is for WrestleMania thirty two. We know what the range is, and without knowing that specific number, like it could be lower, it could be higher than the turnstile count. The turnstile count was. 80,709, I think, off the top mm-hmm. of my head. And so it could be below that. It could be above that. So that's that's sort of where it stands. Okay. 
So, but as far as like if we're taking the Arlington Police's um, uh, announcement of the turnstile count comparing to AEW All In, AEW All In would be eight thousand short of WrestleMania thirty two. Strictly looking at the turnstile count. Turnstile count, yes. Right. Okay. And again, there's like, <laughs> I guess this just kind of adds to maybe like the debate and the confusion, doesn't it? Of like, you know, how many people might be in the suites that aren't necessarily accounted for. Um, you know, ultimately, like, what what are we supposed to to do? With if there's numbers? one thing I have, I have learned over the years, but ex- especially over the last, I would say, thirty days, is how these like stadium attendances and even uh, mainly stadium attendances, because you're just talking about larger numbers of just so many caveats of where you can get to these numbers and even taking into question what the actual capacities of some of these stadiums are. Like you could probably quiz 20 wrestling fans of what is the capacity of the Tokyo dome. And you're probably going to get widely different estimates because like there, like there were the days that we would hear the like 64,000 people attending a new Japan show at the Tokyo dome and realizing that it's, it's a much lower uh, capacity uh, for, for wrestling. And like, what is the true capacity taking in sweet figures? And we're at a time where we're getting more transparency than ever through things like Polestar, like WrestleTix through, and just the, the ability to analyze data, to have um, government owned buildings that are going to be able to give you legitimate figures, but Mm. it's, it's sort of, especially when it comes to contrasting to the past, like look how difficult it's been to just nail down WrestleMania three's attendance and the work that has gone into that. And it's just, it's such a quagmire to try and navigate through a lot of this uh, data and get to like some simple ending that you just want to know, well, what, it, what is the record? And it just becomes very difficult when we're talking about different categories, like from turnstile counts to paid figures and, yeah. I mean, part of you would look at the fact that if like WWE would know what their paid figure is for WrestleMania 32, you would mm-hmm. think that in some way there would be an incentive if they had the paid. It's not as though AEW just said that in passing. They made that the calling card of this event. Mm-hmm. And if WWE has a higher paid number, um, like, would you want to trumpet that fact? Sure. What do you also make of Tony Khan on the night of um, estimating that? there might've been 90,000 people in the building. That seems very high that they would have had an extra 10,000 people. Um, but again, I, I don't know. If 20, I guess if you, you know, include this turn, if you're basing it off of this turnstile care. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it would be again, like, I don't know how he's arriving at, at, at that number. Mm-hmm. Like, Nor how, just, or how like, does we're, WWE we're at the arrive? mercy of, you know, what, what information is uh, available and, and hopefully, um, like, like Polestar again, it's, it's an outlet that audits these, these figures and hopefully that would give some clarity, but it, it's not going to be a hundred percent either. So I guess if, if somebody in the future were to ask you, or even now were to ask you, what is the highest, hmm, like, what is the, even the metric you would ask somebody like, you know, in this sort of comparison, um, what is the most attended wrestling event of all time outside of North Korea? To me, I honestly do believe that in time, like I'm starting to value the gate a lot more than I am the the bodies in 
the stadium. Like next, let, let's say this two for one deal is a big hit and they mm-hmm. go from 6,000 to let's say 13,000 people end up showing up at Arthur Ashe stadium next week. But the gate is a fraction of the last two years. I mean, 13,000 is a very, very respectable number. It's not at the level of year one or two of Arthur Ashe stadium, but it's still a very good number. But then we look at the gate, like, what does it tell you? Are we just assessing bodies inside of a building or are we looking at like apples to apples Dollar people figures. that are paying for tickets that would reflect the popularity of your product that they are spending money there's a demand for tickets and we're trying to assess how popular this event was and connected with the public right so wouldn't the amount of money generated by an event be the most important metric of all i think it's an important one but it's it's not like it's not for nothing like an attendance figure is is going to be very impressive just by it, its nature when we're talking about something, especially like the volume. Uh, audiences are going to connect to a number of people attending a show rather than a gate. You can announce a gate. It's not like you're going to hear fans trumpeting the fact that, um, oh, my God, UFC 295 is going to do uh, a higher gate than UFC 205. Um, it, it's all a game. Like th- this is all, you know, we are trying, I think, in good faith to just assess the success of an event. And if you just distill it down to that simple of a question, like this was just an overwhelming success for the company. We're trying to parse how big of a success was it in relation to historical events of this nature. Mm-hmm. And at the very least, all in is going to be on that short list of the most successful uh, events in, in a stadium setting. And hopefully we'll get a, a bit more clarity, but certainly like this is, you know, this is just, like more data that I think gives you more, more pause on just where, where this one stands. More data that I think will be rationally analyzed and calmly discussed on the internet. I did not. Um, there is a reason I think Brandon Thurston turns his comments off and it's when he hits the, uh, <laughs> the post button on a, on a story like this uh, and probably just runs for cover, but there you go. Um, you can check out the, the whole story. Uh, the breakdown here at WrestleNomics.com. Any other uh, super chats? Uh, no more super chat. Let's go to forum.postwrestling.com. Okay, Steve, who is in the weed business. Okay, show tonight. The BCC segment backstage was awesome. Seeing the smoke clear and Claudio and Eddie just staring down each other was powerful. Am I wrong to think that Jericho and Sammy are doing their version of Better Than You, Baby? Seems strange to do the same story at essentially the same time. Do you think AEW has lost direction? People like Swerve and Orange Cassidy are moving into stronger positions, but overall it hasn't felt like there's a clear direction for most storylines recently. I don't know if it's so much a lack. If anything, I think a lot of the, especially on Dynamite, they have been more focused on where they're going and giving time to build up matches like we got with Jericho and Guevara. Joe and MJF is a very clear direction. Adam Adam Cole and Roderick Strong, I think, is is very clear where. I think it's more so what your opinion is on the directions, but I I see quite a lot of directions of where they're going from Omega and Takeshita with the involvement of Ibushi with MJF, with multiple opponents, with a lot like MJF has Samoa Joe, Roderick Strong and long-term Adam Cole. That's right off the top. And that could be months of programs just with, with those three, not to mention someone else that probably breaks through and, and challenges for the title between now and the end of the year. So I think there's lots of great options, but they're going through a lull with their popularity at the moment. Like that is very evident with the, with the ticket sales. Now that we are post all in, like there is just, there has been a softness with just 
the level of popularity and they're serving many different functions at this moment. Like they're trying to sell tickets. They're trying to build up collision on Saturday nights. Like they are trying to do all the number of pay-per-views. They're expanding pay-per-views like that. We're not even talking about that. Like that alone, here's a Sunday night pay-per-view against the NFL. And it's, it's coming just weeks after two pay-per-views where at least a segment of your audience bought both shows. Like that's, that's another one. It's, it's, and the arenas that they're running, like they're running sizable venues at this point in time when ticket sales have dropped off. Let's go to Andrew from Cape Breton, who says it was a great show tonight as per usual, but I couldn't help but be distracted by hearing about the crowd. Next week's Dynamite Grand Slam is going to have a very relatively low number compared to previous years. What do you think AEW needs to do to get back on track? They are in a pretty bad slump when it comes to the crowd, say for All In, which was outside of the U.S. It feels like Wrestle Dream is going to be a great show filled with incredible matches, though, especially with the ones added tonight. It's not an easy answer. I think that it's it's something where it's very hard to catch momentum when you don't have it. And I wouldn't say they have no momentum at, at this point. Like this is, I think you have to still keep in perspective the fact that it is, it is still performing very well. As much as we kind of belabor collision, they were um, third in their time slot on Saturday night. The only thing that was ahead of them was college football. So that's still a fine standing when you're looking at Saturday night programming, um, on, on TNT. Um, but I would, I would say it is the case of you're hoping that certain characters can, can catch on and you watch the show. Like there are characters that, that are popular. And I don't know if, if people are watching this, they're not seeing enough of a alternative to WWE when uh, WWE has also like, you know, they're coming off a really brutal number on, on Monday. Like they have, Mm -hmm like year over year, like they have seen like a bit of a reduction themselves, but I mean, they're killing it with their live events. Like they are now, they're almost at 13,000 tickets out for Denver for SmackDown on, on Friday. Like their, their TVs, especially they're doing very, very well. Um, House shows overall, very healthy, like depending on on the market, but it's just WWE is hotter at, at the moment. And with these fans that if there are more people engaged in a WWE product, there is by their very definition less of a need for an alternative and if you're AEW i think that's it's a very difficult role to have when you are clearly the number 2 company and you have an audience that they get their fill and they're not and you you can look at like has is there a bit of a hangover after all this punk stuff like now it's sort of semi in the rearview mirror and it's like has that taken some of the some of the energy out of AEW broadcasts. And now punk is like, he is not coming back. Like this is not one of those where, you know, things will settle and he'll come back. Like this was pretty definitive. And did that affect some of the fan base, some of which latched onto AEW when we saw that big boost two years ago and came into this company, probably off the back of punk. Would you run a small, smaller venues than what they have? I think that it would be, I, I think running some, like they were running like the main arena in Cleveland on, on collision. Um, tonight was the main arena in Cincinnati. I, I think you are like running the, these larger buildings. And I, I would at least want to convey like what we had, especially in those like first couple of years of AEW was that party atmosphere. And maybe it's more conducive. It's not a case where these AEW fans show up and they're not lively. Like most weeks, it's a great crowd. And I, I think it, it would make sense. Maybe you scale back a bit when um, you 
like it's great when you when you can fill a eight or nine thousand seat venue that that's great but when you're in the the two to four thousand range like that's um you know just on a savings it would seem to make sense to scale back even if it's you know the idea of one step back to hopefully take two forward in the future Let's go to another super chat here from Andy who sends another hundred uh, rupees. Thank you for that, Andy. He says, I think the conclusion to this discussion should be that all in was a tremendous success. We should have never gotten caught in comparing dubiously sourced numbers. Mm. Well, what are the dubiously sourced numbers? You'd have What's, to elaborate. What, what has been dubiously sourced? Yeah, we were talking about WrestleMania 32 and all in, which have like um, police verified figures. And the 81,000 is a legit number. But it's tickets sold and not how many people attended. You know, I, I, I worry people get confused. Yeah. It like, does not mean no one is disputing how many tickets were sold. The yeah. the tickets sold and and you have every right to promote that number. Like you sold the tickets. And regardless of like how many people were in the building, like that 8135 number is it is the paid attendance figure. Like you're mm-hmm. not like no one is looking at these shows and like taking attendance of Okay, all these paid tickets, like a paid ticket is a paid ticket. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Last one here. Cody uh, from we'll me. To, um, is it you or me? I'll go, I'll go. He says, fun show. While I'm excited for Grand Slam Strong Card, it's clear that the show's build and hype has suffered thanks to its placement between multiple pay-per-views. I know Tony loves his annual events, but the schedule has to change next year. It's simply too much, too close together. Too quick. Do you agree with that, John? Um, I don't think, I mean... I don't think the build has suffered. Maybe that's just because I've, I've been coming off of like all out, which was basically a no non build. I feel like a two, two to three weeks. Like I think this tournament has, has been very effective in like drawing my interest, you know, for, for the Samoa Joe and MJF feud um, at the same time, building Roderick strong and Adam Cole's sort of long-term direction as well. Um, I, I don't have much of a problem with like grand slam coming, you know, three weeks after all out. Um, I don't know about you. Don't know it's, about you. It, I mean, it it's worked in the past. Like it, this was the timing of it. I think it, it is a lot when we're talking about a four week period of all in, all out, Grand Slam, and Wrestle Dream all to, all together in those shows. It just it it forces you to have to build up four significant cards in a very short amount of time. I don't think it's been this catastrophe of trying to build for all of these. Like all out, certainly suffered with only having a week to build up mm-hmm. and i mean but you you did have uh, a really you had several programs that were built and it didn't to me feel like that the, it was clear all in was the big show they weren't trying to confuse everyone by building two cards at the same time but it, it it's ambitious there, there's good and bad to it and with, with grand slam like this is it's a free tv special so i think you're um, your level of expectation is uh, a bit altered. Like this is about ultimately attracting an audience and secondarily selling tickets. And he also says two quick side notes. I can't believe Jade and Statlander is being done on less than a week's notice rather than a com- up and a, rather than at the upcoming pay-per-view with a bit more build feels like a bit of a wasted opportunity. And I presume we get MJF and Cole defending and losing the ROH tag titles at Russell dream to the kingdom. Seems like the next step to continue the Roderick story. Very possible. It's a possible role for them. It's um, yeah, um, I have, and nothing to add to that. With, with Jaden, Chris Statlander, I would think that they probably are going to extend this. I don't see this being the uh, the culmination of this program on on Rampage. You would mm-hmm. 
But yeah, it, it's it, it's a curious move to put it. Yeah, out. it would be really odd for for this to just kind of end at, at Rampage. So I'm sure the spoilers are already out there, and uh, maybe we can look at it after the show. Okay, well, Friday night, we're back. 10 Eastern, we're going to go through SmackDown, and we're going to go through Impact 1000. When was the last time we sat down and watched Impact? Um, I, I've probably seen matches here and there, you know, um, but not not a full edition in quite some time. So join us, postwrestlingcafe.com, Friday night. And then Saturday night, you get Bruce Lord and Kate from Montreal to go through Collision um, and the FTR Iron Savages, which maybe that's why they announced two matches. Maybe they're going 60. Or tease that it. would They'll be go 58 again. That would be quite something. Career-making yes. match for the Iron Savages. Could, mm-hmm. could happen. So um, there, you'll get to see... Uh, You'll get to see Dax and Cash wrestle a bear on Saturday night. Yes. Yes. Can't wait. All right. That is it for us. Uh, you can also check out today's edition of Pollock and Thurston. Really great show today talking about the TKO merger. We had uh, Patrick Oje from the Fight Business Podcast on with us and uh, a lot of Brandon and I going through all aspects of the TKO merger, uh, hearing from Nick Khan and from Mark Shapiro from some of their various uh, media appearances, as well as all the latest news. So go check that out each Wednesday, 3 Eastern on the WrestleNomics and post-wrestling feeds. And uh, that is going to wrap things up. So thanks to everybody for tuning in. And that concludes Rewind to Dynamite. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.